it's Cofield and Company. I like when I'm the least angry person on the show, and by far, I'm exactly that. It's literally the dumbest show ever made. It's the worst show I've ever seen. I watched it once today. I court plenty of dislike at work because I'm a lunatic, and I like to compete, and I like to torture coworkers. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Tuesday, Cofield and Company. We get to wrap up uh, what was an awful night of Monday Night Football. Coming up a little later on. Lots of Raiders stuff. Coordinator spoke today. Little UNLV football later on. Ari's here. It's Cofield. Adam Hill is the company. And, of course, the number one topic. We do have a championship parade here in Las Vegas to talk about. It's the three on Cofield and Company. So the Aces are going to be celebrating their WNBA title. First major league professional sports championship. We're not arguing about this. That's what they say it is. That's what it is. Major, major league is not correct. Major professional sports. Major professional sports. Yes. It's been uh, it's been quite the discussion. It has. Because it's so because obviously it's not the first professional sports title. It's right. the, to me, and, and I'm about definitions. I want it to be called the most high profile professional sports championship in Las Vegas history. Okay. Can we Which I think is is fitting and awesome. And Can we use the word title? Does it have to be championship? It's t- I want to well, use the I want to use the word title in a couple of minutes. So first of all, what's going on with the parade? We uh from my understanding, it was supposed to be Thursday. It got moved up to Tuesday. Sounds like player responsibility, either going to their real money leagues yeah. to go play or the FIBA action that they've got coming up. They actually have to get moving yeah. by Thursday, so that was going to be too late. So they're doing a parade today. It'll basically be a, you know, a, a short jaunt down the middle of the strip with a stage and a setup and a celebration at Bellagio, which is really cool. This was... An unreal season. They delivered on the promise. You know, a year ago, Bill Ambeer took them about as far as they could go. Uh, Big Liz had to be shuttled out of town, and then she quit on the Sparks, right? That was addition by subtraction. You bring in FIBA Ball and Becky Hammond, you know, working under Pop. Uh, they they come in. They change things up. They're playing a little more small ball. They've got multiple point guards. Let's, let's go. Let's move, get downhill, shoot threes, move the ball. We're not going to have any plotting Centers out there. It's going to be athletic. Six three and six four people up front, and they had a tiny swoon in the middle of the season. And they were a little beat up. They were a little thin on the bench, but in the end, they wound up just kicking booty throughout the playoffs and took out a pretty good Connecticut team that wanted to play some brawl ball early on. And guess what? They made adjustments in game two, and now they've got a championship in the WNBA. Yeah, and I think to you know you pointed out I think one of the key parts of the season was the the swoon in the middle of the season when they kind of. We're losing a few games, a couple of ugly performances. Uh, I, I think those kind of things are often necessary, and I think it was necessary for this team that was so good early in the season and looked like nobody could compete with them to get that kind of, okay, you got to do something. And I think there was some, it like when people hear this, they, they kind of hear it wrong, I think, because it's not you're not you're not trying to lose, but I think some of the games that were going out and saying, okay, this game is about figuring this out. 
This game is about figuring this out. This is about how do we respond to adversity? How do we, you know, how do we kind of rally ourselves out there instead of having to call a timeout and regroup? How do they find themselves coming together? And I think Becky Hammond was was testing them and putting them in tough spots in order to, to battle test them. And I think that was very important come the end of the year when you are in those spots in the playoffs and you have to figure things out. And they had those moments to fall back on and rely on. So uh, I thought that was an important part of the season for them to kind of learn that it's not always going to be easy. You're not going to run everybody out of the gym. Uh, sometimes you're going to have those situations and they were able to figure it out. And I think the the, the battle-tested nature uh, of this team that they got during the middle of that season was very instrumental in them making this run. And now we're here. We saw videos this morning of fans around the city lining up to buy championship merchandise. It was cool. I, I like. It's a great moment and a great time for the city. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. And it's what we were hoping for along the way with the Vegas Golden Knights. It just fell short. I mean, the first season was magical. I know you wanted to throw out there. Well, you know what? I'm also going to throw out. This should pay massive dividends next year. Because I hear, you know, I hang around a lot of casual sports fans. Huh. And... I have never really heard those fans talk about the WNBA before and the Aces. And I've had multiple friends, couples especially, who really didn't pay attention to the WNBA at all. And they said, hey, you know, we went to games this year. We went to the playoffs. And it was so much fun. Like multiple groups saying it. And they all, most of them said, we're getting tickets for next year. Yeah. So what you're going to get now is a league that... Well, in the case of the Aces, a couple of years ago, they were drawing under 4,000 people per game. This last year, without the playoffs included, but regular season, the average attendance was 56.04. Next year should be pushing probably eight or 9,000, you would think. Well, look, look what happened in the finals games. Yep. And, and not only the finals, the game to clinch, um, to going, going into the, in the playoffs, the number one seed was insane. The, the finals games were sold out. Like we've we've known this for a long time. This is this is what you do. You win championships. You win at a very very high level. Las Vegas will show up. That that's what's always that's what's always going to be the case. It always is the case. And this is a winning team with a winning culture. That's also, by the way, fun. Like they're fun to watch. They're fun to go to the games. It's awesome. And and you're right. I think what they kind of knew and constructed was, hey, if this team wins a title. This city will go nuts. And you're seeing that. That that's what it's about. It's a good sports city when the teams are winning. Yeah. People will jump on board. You got to win at a high level and the Aces win at a high level and the Aces also get it, you know, MD's the owner Mark Davis. They also have taken the lead from frankly what the Knights did to change the market and that is the game is a party. Sometimes a game is kind of a side note, but for yeah. a lot of casual fans, the music never stops. There's Contest, there's stuff up on the board. You, you know, at WNBA games, hell, if you want to get some photo ops, you can get near them if you're allowed near them. There's all these NBA players there. So it's like a basketball convention, men's and women's, every week. Uh, we know the Raiders, which I'll talk about later on. I went as a fan on Sunday and I was like, wow, this is very VGK like. It never stops during <laughs> the breaks because football has a lot of breaks, but man, it's there was like a lot of energy and the Aces have replicated that. And I guess, you know, Best of all for Mark Davis, he gets a championship. He also has now the potential to get a little return on his investment. Because I know early in the season, the Aces were looking around and they're like, man, we got to get some fans out here. Get people fired up to see this potential 
championship team. So they did it, and I think it's going to lead to a lot of popularity next year. It's certainly good for female sports and young fans. Now they have something to aspire to. They've got a championship in their backyard. On the way back, let's talk about Vegas history and that whole thing about you know pro championships. And I'm going to use the word title. What are the biggest titles that sports teams in this city have won over the years, and where do the Aces rank on that list? Wednesdays, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company. First off, big shout-out to the Aces. Uh, that was awesome. We're in the same city. Uh, we share the same streets. It's fantastic. <laughs> Tomorrow it's five thirty or something, right? Yeah, we're we're in we're in meetings. If I could, I don't know. I got to get creative there. And uh, I, like I said, being in season sucks for those certain things because you really want to be out there. You know, I, I want to be part of that. I want to be in the parade. I want to come on. I want to. I'm, I'm in. Um, I love that man. That's such a cool deal. I mean, you remember all the big wins when you were kids and growing up in Northern California with you know, Barry and championships they had in, in baseball and football. Man, the, any parade we had for those things, you were a kid, you were fired up. It was awesome. Marcus Arroyo, a pro parader. You're an anti-parader. I am. Aces have a parade today. You don't get to cover it because it's at 530. We go until 6 on Cofield and company. I'm a mostly pro parader. Um, I think I've only been to one, and that was Yankees-Mets back in 2000, if I'm correct. I'm not a years guy, but I'm pretty sure on that one. That was kind of cool. The Aces have their parade Today, I would 100% be there if we weren't on, if we were on the air. Right. Well, it's a major event. Sure. I love Las Vegas. This, I hate parades. This is one you mark down. You're like, hey, it's a historic moment for Las Vegas. So the most historic sports moments that involve titles, I think you're going to hate me on this because <laughs> I'm intentionally putting the word title in there, like the biggest titles for Las Vegas. We won't put in like fights. Although we could. We could. And I was as far as Griffin a Vegas guy? No. Because he did win the two oh five title in the UFC. Oh Frank Mir. I guess you could put Mir. You're right. Uh could we put Mayweather titles? Sure. He defended the titles a lot. For team sports, what are the biggest? Well, because uh, to before you move on though, Kurt Bush? And anyone who wants to argue if NASCAR is a major sport. Actually, has NASCAR gone from regional to major back to regional? I think so. I always love this whole, you know, what's a major sport? What's a major league sport? It's, trust me, uh, it's been about 20 hours a day arguing about it recently. Yeah. uh, Because I want to, you know, I want to define what we're going to talk about. Right. Uh, But yeah, I... I would I would include those. I mean, that's for Las Vegas, right? It's Las Vegas guys born and raised here, and or raised here, part of the part of the city, the fabric of the city for sure. All right, biggest championships. We'll go with titles. Biggest titles in sports history, and obviously you can include UNLV. That's yeah, the biggest one to me. Is, not is the nineteen ninety championship, the thirty point victory against Duke. That's the biggest in history. It's not even close. And by the way, I went back and watched the celebration today. Wow! 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 It was from it was from downtown to the Thomas and Mack Center. Oh wow! It was packed the entire way, and then they got to the Thomas and Mack, and it was overcrowded. It was like today, over today, like today's parade would be Caesars to Dunes. Dunes wasn't imploded by ninety, right? Because that's no. where the Bellagio. No, because I was there and I wasn't. I hadn't moved here yet. Okay, 
And I was at the Dunes implosion. Nice. And somebody made the, they knocked that place Dune joke, and I thought it was the most horrific thing I've ever heard. Not offensive, just more like a terrible joke. Okay, second biggest. This is where the debate begins. There's no debate about the national championship. That's the biggest. Of course. The, the biggest turnout, uh, biggest event on TV, biggest in history, because oftentimes that team is still referred to as the greatest college basketball team of all time. Yeah. Yeah, there's I mean there's no there's no question. Number that's, two. That's why we're talking professional. I mean, I think it's this. Uh-oh. Number two. Oh. I don't know we had a sounder. I would argue the Western Conference title in year one for the Knights. Oh, that's where you're going titles, because yeah. you're not counting championship. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah, then for for sure. Well, but there there are organizations. I mean, what was it, Nashville? Like, you know, division, division, division. I mean, that was I mean, that actually, you can, I'm not going to say it was bigger than the national championship for UNLV, but it's actually in the conversation. Winning a Western Conference title in your first year, Misfits, as an expansion team, that was insane. Yeah, if we're, if we're counting conference titles, yes, well, absolutely. I already said, I already said I titles. Then yes, absolutely, it's number two. And then from there, I would also argue that every Final Four UNLV made, they won the Western Regional, the Western Regional title for UNLV. In what 77, 87, and then following the championship year, 91, those were gigantic. By the way, I was going to use the word massive, but I had someone who said sure. they watched the uh, TV broadcast of UNLV in North you Texas, and apparently I use massive a lot. So I was like, I'm going to work on that. So I just went through my head. Now we have to be no more massive. And I don't like doing H U G E because you can't say it. You say I, huge. I, I go Trumpian where I'm just huge. Yeah. It's a huge deal. So I'm going to have to go gargantuan. Colossal? Colossal. Those were colossal titles. And I don't, I don't think it's unfair to say it. For Vegas, making those final fours, incredible. Colossal. Yes. Am I being crazy on that? Massive. Am I being no. crazy on that? No. Okay. No, I don't, no, I don't think so at all. I'm not doing conference championships or anything like that. Unfortunately, the Runner Rebels have had a really well, difficult time just winning the, the tournament for the go, Mountain West. Golden Knights for conference championship. Correct. Yeah. But I was saying, you're, you said you're not doing conference championships. You're no, not I, meant for like, I meant like Mountain West. Sure. I guess college, yeah, college conferences. Sure. Okay. I'll take the word conference out. Yeah. yeah so so I mean, am I off base on that? No. No, not and at all. And a lot of it, I'm, I'm, I'm basing it on how big a moment it was for Las Vegas and how big crowds were and would have been for celebrations. Yeah, remember they wanted to have a parade for, or the Golden Knights didn't, but the town wanted to have a parade for the Golden Knights. That's right, I forgot about Settled that. Settled down. Way back Settled in down. history, way back in history. Right? Yeah. Nashville, Nash Vegas does crap like that. But I think it's, it's also, I mean, you can appreciate and celebrate what this is like I will I love I actually very closely follow this team love that they won the title I'm very excited about today and I don't think it diminishes that to talk about what has happened in the past and what has been accomplished in the past and I think if you don't acknowledge it if you know when people are running with the whatever however you want to define what this title means you're diminishing accomplishments of many many athletes of the past in a lot of ways. So I, I want to lift up everyone, including the past athletes of Las right. Vegas that have gotten us to this. But right. by the way, and without without a lot of their work, yep. without the Dust Devils title, which by the way was awesome, 
yeah. uh, and, and things like that. And the Locos title, which was very cool. One for of your the favorite fans. teams of all time. Of course it was. One of the greatest photo ops ever. Yeah, me and Denzel. W- with Adam Hill on TV and Denzel Washington, two seats in front of him, a TV not even mentioning Denzel was sitting there watching his son, a future actor, John Have, David Washington. Having a conversation about me, but not about <laughs> Denzel. They had a conversation about what? Your Lostman jersey? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty incredible with Denzel Washington, two rows in front of you. Well, it was a little offensive. They didn't mention how fabulous my hair was at the time. It was, it you was did great. have a full head of hair. It's, it's fading mane. now. Yeah, it's, it's fading now. It was like down past my shoulders almost. It was nuts. Were you doing a visor that day too? Oh, yeah. It's a look. I'm talking to a, a friend of mine who was in the league's wife and <laughs> looking like I'm trying to explain football to somebody who clearly understands football. Way too uh, hardcore. Sure. Well, I could just tell from the movie, like you had the hands out, like almost like you were yelling. And you said it was a woman? Yeah, it was the wife. Of, one of the players on my team was one of the players on the team was a friend of mine, uh, and she she was the wife of him, and she was upset about something that had just happened. And I think if I remember correctly, I was explaining. Well, here's the route he was trying to run. This is what the defense wow. did, and that's why horrific mansplaining incident before we knew what mansplaining was. Well, it's not. I don't. First of all, I think that word is silly. But also, if somebody asks a question or gets something wrong, if you explain to them what is right if they if they ask you don't you just respond nowadays what do you think and then you just finish up by saying sounds about right no but i think the whole concept of the, the whole concept of the mansplaining is when somebody actually if somebody if a Are you female already understands okay. yes i thought you were explaining like female issues maybe that's no, no, the no. definition no you're I, you're explaining female issues to a female no it's if a female already understands something and then you try to tell them and like and let me explain this simply to you and they're like i, I understand it that that's what I I believe it to be. Not if somebody has something wrong and you let them know what it is. I think it's different. Does someone on the Raiders need some mansplaining? <laughs> good good segue. Well, I was trying to pick a specific area. I don't know where to start. You were at the game. Oof. You covered it. You covered the aftermath. You covered yesterday. You listened to and watched the coordinators. Two days removed. Adam Hill is like. That was the problem. Can you do that? No, because I I watched. So I got home at like two thirty in the morning, <laughs> and watched the game again, and understood it less than when I watched it live. <laughs> and I watched it twice yesterday. the uh, The condensed version yesterday, because now it's now now it's now updated. The all twenty two. Uh, I think that comes. That, that's probably today that it's going to hit the yeah. NFL Plus. By the way, when do the home radio calls come out? Oh boy. They're not up there. Uh, by the way, I bought it again. <laughs> I only buy NFL.com subscription. What is it called now? All access? Yeah. For the home radio calls because we like to have them for the show. They're not up there again. 80 bucks up in smoke. So I will, when I have time, I'm watching that G damn all 22. I do. They better get it out there faster. I watched, I saw the condensed version twice last night, but yeah. in between, I had to cleanse the palate by watching the unbelievable. Uh, Mike McDaniel, the, the, the unbelievable Mike McDaniel versus Lamar Jackson game, which was f- just a tremendous game to watch. Uh, it's going to be unbearable, folks, and, all year. Here he uh, loved little Shanny. Uh, now he's got the Kyle Shanahan offshoot nerd from Yale. And I mean that lovingly. You know what I also watched Mike last night? Mike McDaniel, he, oh my God. What I also watched last night was the Mike McDaniel Monday press conference. Oh, it's it's glorious. Was he good? He appeared to be whacked. He always appears to Take be a couple of puffs to relax. He always appears to be somewhere else. We have no proof that you know, he's a weed guy. We just he's just very chill all the time. Sure. 
and, I wish I was so chill. And and just making random comments all the time, which is it's fantastic. Only you get. But yes, I did watch last night the uh I watched the condensed game twice. It's it's baffling. I mean, obviously <laughs> there are things that have there there was, you know, one drive that everybody can point to, and I think a lot of people have already discussed this, but the Raiders get a stop on fourth and one deep in their own end, get the ball back with twelve and a half minutes left. Cardinals are deflated, they're reeling. And the Raiders threw three straight incompletions. Didn't run. I think they run 14 seconds off the clock. Did not gain a yard, obviously. Three three incompletions and then punted. That's when Arizona went down and scored and got a two-point conversion to cut it to eight. But that was an opportunity there to close the door on the game by just getting a first down or two. Run, run a little bit of time off the clock. Keep control of the ball. Give the defense a little bit of a rest. And I think that's a big part of it. That the defense had already played so much in the third and early in the fourth. And now they have to go right back on the field. And play again, and that was the time. And and it's it was all three different things, right? The first one, uh, you know, straight up the middle pass rush, and Dylan Parm got beat. He played a really good game, but he got beat on that one. And that looked like it was probably going to be like a a completion for a lot of yards, maybe even a touchdown, like an eighty yard touchdown, ninety whatever it was. But he got hit right when he threw it. wasn't able to get it downfield, incomplete. Second pass wide open on the left flat. Airmailed it by about 10 yards. And then the third one, checked down, looked short. Ball was batted down uh, by a defensive lineman near the line of scrimmage. So three different things. Plenty of blame to go around on everyone on those three plays. It's not just on car. It's not just on the offensive line. It's not just on the play calling. But it's a combination of everything. You punt there. Arizona goes down against a very tired defense and scores, gets within one score, and it's a new game. But that that series, I think, is the... If you're gonna, there's a thousand things you can point to. Right. There was a, eight eight different plays. I think you could say if this play goes differently, they win the game. But that is one series that you point to and say, yeah, that was rough right there to give the ball right back to the Cardinals. More Tuesday cleanup. We do it every Tuesday of the Raiders game. We start looking ahead to the next opponent, former Titan Blaine Bishop, expected to join us in about 15 minutes. Giveaway time. Shriners Open coming to town October 5th to the 9th. TPC Summerlin. Shriners Golf is here. The PGA on the ground in Vegas. Two tickets. Good for any day. Ari's got two tickets for any day. 364-1100. Call or 7. Go to the web for more information. ShrinersChildrensOpen.com. Shriners Open coming to town October 5th to the 9th. Grab your tickets. This Wednesday, Cofield and Company is live at the Plaza Pool. Four, Bikini Tug of War. Come watch the way in at three. The tug starts at four at the Plaza Pool with ESPN Las Vegas. Shotgun again, low snap. Oni back to throw. Passes on the near side. It's intercepted by the Rebels. And going in for a touchdown after making the pick is Cam Oliver. <laughs> now back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. We'll hit on a little Rebel football later in the show. That was uh, the exclamation point, 58-27. Cam Oliver, pick six after Jalen Dixon got his mitt on the ball. Uh, Marcus Arroyo, I don't even know what day it is. (laughs) Yesterday, paid those guys a compliment, especially Dixon, because it was the very end of the game. And he's like, listen, guys go in. You know, sometimes you're not going to get max effort when you're up 24 points with like three minutes left. And he's like, he, Jalen Dixon worked. And just so folks know, Jalen Dixon is a backup on the defensive line. He's six foot 260. Not, he's not six seven. Wasn't Adam Plant, but he got, he got the mid up 
and tipped it. So a good moment for the Rebels, and they're getting ready for a Saturday game. They're now favored. I believe this is the first time they're a road favorite since October 29th of 2016. That's a long time ago. Yeah. And I think before the North Texas game, they hadn't been favored for 32 straight. So these are, you know, Herculean moments for a program that's been rebuilding and had its troubles at the end of the Sanchez era. Now they got to win. Yep. You're your favorite. Now you got to win in these spots, and they did on Saturday against North Texas. So you just pointed to key series in the fourth with the Raiders where they go three and out in like 15 seconds. So what do you think of some of the criticism of McDaniels and play calling throughout? And what exactly, what did you see that bogged them down in the second half? They had a pretty good first half offensively. In the second half, it just didn't seem like much worked. No, it didn't. And and it's tough. Like I said, it's tough to pinpoint anything. Like when I watched back, I kind of thought I was going to see, oh, they just stopped calling the right plays. Or, oh, they just missed a couple of things here and there. It was just, it was everything kind of adding up on each other. The fact that they didn't get the ball a whole lot because the Cardinal series were so long, for one thing. Uh, there is a fine line between staying aggressive and not being reckless. You know, not you don't want to turn the ball over for sure, but you also don't want to stop aggressively trying to go down and score and, and keep the ball and move the ball and all those things. So I thought there was, you know, you know I just pointed out that drive up 16, 12 and a half minutes left. They didn't, quote unquote, take the foot off the gas pedal. They threw three straight times. They were staying aggressive, but none of the plays worked. And it was all, like I said, all different reasons. The pass rush got there and knocked, you know, knocked him down when he tried to throw. Then he threw a bad one, Carr did. And then, you know, a, a ball got deflected near the line of scrimmage. So three different things went wrong on three different plays, but they did try to throw the ball. It's not like they stopped being aggressive. And then, uh, you, but again, no, next drive, they, they read two times, got, got the ground game running a little bit. Okay. Seven yards, three yards. Then they ran for negative four, and now they're behind the sticks. And now they throw, they throw two short completions, but they don't get to the first down yard. We had Paul Gutierrez on yesterday, and Paul kind of echoed what some people on Twitter had said about the overtime when the Raiders got the ball after you know a nice stop on fourth and one to set themselves up at their own thirty-seven. Right? They stopped the Cardinals. Now all you need is a field goal. I was fine with the play calling, and a lot of people were like, "Why are you throwing to Hunter, Hunter Renfro? That's a run now." Yeah. In the NFL and college football, you throw it out. He's got a couple of blockers. You know, he got stung. Now, was he concussed or was he a little woozy two plays before? Maybe. And maybe, maybe that was the problem. But in terms of, like, afterwards, people are like, you know, run it. They basically did. It wasn't, it wasn't intercepted. He fumbled it. But you know, you know my logic on this. I don't care how many 55 yarders Daniel Carson has made in his life. He's friggin' awesome. You know what I want more than a 54 yarder? 45, yeah. 42, 39, 37. Like this, this, it, it, you can't be results based thinking. It's it so goes much. back to the Broncos game. I mean, that was a longer field goal, but you know, you've got Hackett who's like, hey, our mark is the 46, basically. It is? So you're trying to get to a 63 or 62 or 61-yard field goal? And people see that field goal line on the field, you know, the, the artificial one TV puts on in overtime against the Cardinals. They're, like, they're right there. All they're going to do is run it two yards. There's nothing. It's not right there. It went, when a 52 or 54-yarder is 100%, then you're there. Right. But it ain't. And well, Yeah, and you're right. I mean, with Carlson, it is, but it's not. 
and and by the way, he's great. It's close. And by the way, I just what I was just saying is a couple possessions earlier, they ran for seven, ran for three, got a first down, and then the first down in the next series, they ran for a loss of four. There's nothing to say you're going to gain yards with a run. You could you could lose yards on a run, and so it it, it's results based. You're right. It's oh, it fumbled, so they should have not done that. That that's a preposterous way of thinking. It's a it's the lowest form of thinking. Uh, and I will almost guarantee you a lot of people that say that are the same ones that were screaming and yelling about Hackett. Now, I listen, Hackett screwed up, no question. But I'm sure it's the same people. They're like, oh, you just run the ball and settle for a field goal. But when Hackett settles for a field goal, what are you doing? That's ridiculous. Right, because it's easy to say in the aftermath. Now, again, Hackett, I'm not comparing him because Hackett did botch that. He did screw that up. But you can't you can't think both things. It's, that's preposterous. So that I think that's what you have a lot when people are dealing with that. And and yeah, I think you're right. It's it's easy to say now, like, oh, look, we can look back at the replay at the slow-mo and see that Hunter Renfro got bashed in the head two plays earlier and probably wasn't all there on that last play. But they didn't see that. It was at the bottom of a pile. They don't see that from the sideline. And there's no way to know without a slow motion second angle of the of the screen. So it, it's a lot of people in the aftermath saying this is what should have been done. That kind of thinking doesn't matter. Big week of road shows for Cofield and Company. We get back on the road tomorrow. How dare we do a show in studio, right? We're in studio today at the Finley Toyota Studios. But tomorrow will be poolside. These are our favorite shows. Steve's here, summer tour, 2022. Stop number two, downtown. Adam loves downtown. The Plaza Pool. We're doing bikini tug of war. Adam and I are not. We will not be wearing bikinis. We're doing a tug of war. Uh, We may be the safety backstops. Uh, They will be doing this in the pool. It'll be multiple teams that Steve's here has put together. It's an official tug of war. It's sanctioned. He is an official official of tug of war. He paid his $18 to get that. The rope was all set today. I was out there uh, without shoes on, kind of, you know, practicing tugging. All right. We were out there. The setting's friggin' awesome. We've got teams from the Peppermint Hippo, Sapphire. He's got the Sin City Rollers in there, Roller Derby team. Uh-oh. Oh, Lordy, that could be the favorite. But it all goes down tomorrow. We'll be doing the live show poolside at the Plaza. It's on the fifth floor. Free admission for locals. Come out, grab some brewskis, watch the Bikini Tug of War. It's at the Plaza Pool tomorrow downtown. Cofield and company kicking off at 3 o'clock. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Tannehill takes, looks, guns it, downfield, picked off, intercepted at the 45-yard line, picked off by Matt Milano, headed to the end zone, he is in! Touchdown, Buffalo! Matt Milano, touchdown, Buffalo! They are rolling him now! Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Bills Radio Network there. A lot of bad moments for the Titans. Man, another one was, uh, I think it was Milano on the hit when Malik Willis tried early uh, in his time on the field. He tried an RPO to his right, and he got destroyed. It was like, whoa, okay. It's the NFL now. It's a little different. This is a big rebound weekend or else for the Raiders and Titans. Blaine Bishop played for the Oilers. The Titans gives us a couple minutes here in Vegas with Steve and Adam. How are you, sir? What's going on, Steve and Adam, man? Appreciate you having me on. Uh, desperation is going on right now. <laughs> Raider Nation is freaking out, and I'm sure the uh, Titan Nation is probably uh, feeling the same way. Uh, well, I don't, you know, well, I think the Raider Nation is a little bit different than Titans, man. they got a long history 
of success there. But, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of panic uh, in Tennessee for sure, uh, and it's the way they lost, and they, they weren't even on the same stratosphere as the Bills, uh, and that's uh, disheartening and concerning. So they're going to have to get a lot of things fixed, and I don't know if they actually can fix them with uh, where they're at with their injuries. What I guess is going into the year, uh, obviously last year a, a very good season until the, until the playoffs. But what were the mm-hmm. expectations? We know they lost some some people, but this is a team that was number one seed last year. Were the expectations up at that level going into the year? Uh, I think for sure, uh, make the playoffs and see if they can go on another Super Bowl run. And uh, you know their their window was still open with Tannehill and uh, the King, you know Derrick Henry, and. Uh, this team is built around uh, running the football and their offensive line, and their offensive line hasn't played very well, and they got some injuries, and they let some guys go. And uh, so, at this point in time, if you can't run the football, kind of the way they run their offense, it's uh, kind of going to be stagnant. And then defensively, they've been actually disappointing. Uh, and so, they're thirtieth against the rush, and we all know if you can't stop the run, you can't stop the pass. So, they got some young secondary guys through, through some injuries at corner. So they're they're in a tough spot here. Uh, I'm interested to see how uh, Vrabel who can salvage this because uh, you know last year they played over 90 something players. So this year uh, they're going to need everybody and a little different crew of people, as you guys know. Every year is a new year, and this year just doesn't seem quite right. I know it's still early yet, but this is not showing signs of uh, getting better anytime soon to me. Well, I want I want to get into what maybe they could do or what needs to turn around to have success, but. First, I just wanted to go on that on that note. If it does keep going like this, how long mm-hmm. does this go before Malik Willis is the starting quarterback? <laughs> you know what? I am glad you asked me that <laughs> because I don't think that Malik Willis is anywhere near ready to play and start in the national football. Uh, and I and I know. The national narrative has kind of said that even when they put, you know, Malik Willis in, yes, he should have thrown, thrown a pick the first play through the ball. Yeah. I mean, it was the first play. It hit the guy dead in the numbers. And so he, he's not ready. I think people don't understand the speed of the game and the adjustment that he's actually kind of making. Uh, he definitely has some upside to him, and he can maneuver in the pocket and run. But having a feel for the pocket and being an actual pocket passer, he, he's not quite ready for that. Uh, and so this is going to be, you know, something of the process. Now, if you – what you asked me was how soon would it be? Well, I, I don't know how far they would have to go. Let's say if they're, I don't know. I think Vrabel's the type of guy that would go all the way deep into the season and until it's just absolutely done. Right. Then he would put him out there. I, I just don't think he's going to put him out there if they are one and six, unless Tannehill gets injured. Right. Uh, Tannehill is far and above better than him. It's not even close. It's not even a conversation. So I, I laugh when I see that on that. Yeah, that's you know, when they say, oh. Yeah, that he's gonna like when they took him out. See how the you know the the cameras went to Tannehill, and then Brable was talking to Tannehill on the sideline in the game. Like he took him out, and he's gonna put the young guy. He took he took King out too. He took Derrick Henry out. He took a lot of major players out because in his mind the game was over. Uh, but yeah, Malik Willis is improving, but he's a player that's nowhere near where he needs to be in my mind to be. 
starting quarterback at this point in time. But we all know sometimes the process speeds up, so we shall see. Blaine Bishop with us. Played for the Titans, played for the Oilers, does radio on 104.5 The Zone. It's funny the way you answered that because before the season, I had asked Buck, who's on before you, he was on with us, yeah. and I posed the same question, like, hey, you know, if, if Tannehill's not playing well, when do they go to Willis? And he's like, he is nowhere near ready to play. Yeah. So that's two of you guys. And, that, that's, and that's why... We like to talk to the local folks because you don't always get the you know the inside dope mm-hmm. on what's going on with the quarterback position. Fire at him. Yeah, no, I I think yeah. along those lines. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Watching the watching the game last night, I would agree. I think he's nowhere near ready, and that's why I thought, man, he actually needs to get out there. Just throw him in the fire, maybe. Or you think it's mm-hmm. more of a case of he needs to get ready and practice before he can even get to a point where he can be kind of trial by fire. Well, I think uh, during the preseason, let's start there, and that's when you probably talk to Buck. He was running third team. He was second team, even though he was playing in the games, and he outseated them and outplayed, you know, uh, you know, the second string. And so that was in okay. How do you go into this? And you couldn't cut him because if not, somebody would pick him away. Where even if you wanted him back on your practice squad. So now that the season started, his development is kind of slowed because he's just running scout team. How many reps is he actually doing? with the first group of offense, you know, maybe two or three reps. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know, you know, maybe in seven on seven and then team, but ultimately Tannehill's running the offense and he's, he wants to run all the plays. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, so I just think, uh, his development is kind of on halt right now. Uh, but he did get better throughout the preseason. It was pretty clear and everything that they asked him to do, he got better each and every game. So the guy's a student of the game, is a smart guy, and I think he wants to do writing. He's a good, good guy, good kid. So, uh, yeah, I think eventually he could be the future, but right now I think they have to get way in the weeds, like, I don't know, like out of contention for a playoffs and on a losing plane of you know, losses where they have no shot of making the playoffs. How much of a gut punch now is it with uh, Taylor Luan? What are we hearing? Well, there's not been an update. There's an uh, interview tomorrow with uh, Coach Brayboy at 1 o'clock, and I'm assuming it's going to give us an update on Luan. Uh, but if I was – I didn't see how he got hurt. I went back and watched it. It's hard to tell because he was just really pushing the pile, and then somebody kind of rolled up on him. But I'm assuming it's the worst. And that's going to really put the Titans in a, a serious bind because ultimately he had to have a great year this year to show he was the Taylor Luan of three years ago. Uh, and – because that offensive line, the other players, especially on the other side, were going to need help. And uh, he was the only guy he probably could lose solo. He was playing just okay, but uh, yeah, that 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 would be devastating uh, for them if they lost him for the season. And I'm I'm a little nervous that that's what it is. So I mean, let's let's say he is out. What do they do to improve this running game and kind of fix the offensive line that has struggled even with him? Yeah. You know, that's a great question because, you know, last year when Henry got injured, I said that the offense will still work as it should and that, you know, we just missed the home run hit. But any capable running back can still run behind this offensive line. Now that the offensive line has kind of made some changes and guys gotten injured, uh, maybe guys gotten older and we let Sapo go in the run game, uh, it's going to be tough sledding, and they're not going to just disrupt the offense and just change their whole mode of who they are. So uh, that's really hard to do, and I don't think Brable would ever do that anyway. It's a run-first offense. So, man, they, they better 
hope and pray that uh, they got some capable guys if, if Lawan is out there. It's, it's just uh, it's going to be a tough season if, if that is true, uh, that he won't be out there. That I don't think they can recover. I, I really don't. I mean, uh, on the list of things to fix, there's many of them right now, but it, can anyone uh-huh. catch a punt? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that you know, they had a rookie back there. He he uh, he's muffed a punt now in two games, and then they put you know a safety back there who muffed it. And uh, Robert Woods finally caught one. Uh, that's going to be an issue to determine. Uh, that was asked today of Rabel. He said, "Well, that'll be determined throughout this week." Uh, so I would assume that he he won't be back there. If I was guessing, you know, Rabel's real big on turnovers and everything else. So it's you know when it rains it pours. Uh, so they're in desperation mode in my mind as far as just how they should play. And, oh, by the way, the defense is ranked 30th in the NFL, at least against the rush, and the defense is supposed to be the side of the ball that's carrying the team, and that is not happening. So Landry being out and the new pre went out with a hip injury in the game has really uh, hurt the team. And, and Big Jeff, now everybody's just double, triple teaming them. So he's going to have to play huge for them to have a shot. And then they have some free agent-type guys playing corner. Guys who weren't even drafted. Uh, they were out there trying to, you know, cover digs. What do you think Devontae Adams going to do? Do I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I would not want to be out on that island with him, man. And I'm a rookie in this league and was undrafted. No, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Blaine Bishop with us, the former NFL player, host of Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. I got about 45 seconds left. So what do you think is going to happen? I mean, it's a big question here, but can the Titans win this game against the Raiders? They're actually a dog at home. Yeah, I, I would say that they're going to have to play almost perfect, and we all know that can happen. They've had a lot of penalties, let alone injuries. I think this is going to be tough sledding. You guys are going to be desperate for a win after losing one in overtime. I, I just don't, I don't see it. I, as much as I want to say they got a shot, I, I just don't see it getting turned around that quickly with the offensive line if something's wrong with LeJuan. So I would, I would say uh, this is going to be a tough one. Blaine, we appreciate it. We shall see how they see how they come out fighting because this is a new yeah. team. This is not last year's team. Yeah, both sides, right? Both sides uh, up against the wall. Zero and three. You generally don't make the playoffs. Blaine, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, guys. Anytime. There he is. Former uh, Oiler, former Titan, Blaine Bishop, Raiders. That some books are up to minus two and a half on the road coming in. Both teams. R-O-2. Giveaway time, 364-1100-364-1100. We got a pair of tickets to 70 Brew Oktoberfest. Four-day festival going down September 29th to October 2nd. That's at the Orleans. Winner also qualifies for a chance to win a six-pack of VIP tickets. Ticketmaster.com is where you, you can grab your own tickets. 70 Brew Oktoberfest. Ari's got a pair, 364-1100, 364-1100. Caller number seven.